I do a lot of what people think of as self-care. Like I, I am a yoga teacher. I do the yoga. I do the meditation. I get massages every month. But if that was enough, then I wouldn't have gotten burned out, you know, six months after starting my first big girl job. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. Let's check in first with the co-host, Cody. What's going on, man? You know, just coming back from a long weekend, which is super nice. You got the Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and then MLK. Thank you for the extra day on Monday. So just hanging out with friends. One of my friends got a promotion, so we went out and celebrated that. Got to hang out with my girlfriend, Lauren. How about you, man? I also did my best to enjoy the MLK weekend. We had some snow coming on Saturday, so went up to the slopes and did some skiing on Sunday. I have the Epic Pass, which is a get you into a bunch of different mountains, and my goal is to hit all of the mountains in the Northeast that are on the pass. And then also on Monday, several of the zoos were open for free. So, you know, get out there and see the animals, the ones that would come out and play at close to zero degree temperatures, but it was still a good time. <laughs> and which this was the second awesome weekend I had in a row, but before we get into that, take a pause for our sponsors. One of the best ways to protect your family is with term life insurance. Even though we don't like to think about it, it's important to have financial protection in case the unexpected happens. Bestow is an awesome and reputable life insurance partner of ours that makes this process simple and easy. They use data to remove doctor visits and paperwork involved with the traditional life insurance process. And you can apply from anywhere in just minutes. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to determine your eligibility. You'll receive an approval response right away. It literally took me less than one minute to get my estimated quote, and you can go do the same. Get your free and convenient quote by visiting thefyshow.com slash bestow. That's thefyshow.com slash bestow. B-E-S-T-O-W. Bestow. Life insurance made easy. And that awesome weekend Justin was talking about last weekend was when we were at Camp Fi, and we just had an amazing time. Justin and I got to speak, but we also, more importantly, got to meet with the 58 other individuals who just have the most incredible stories that you don't hear every single day. And so an interesting thing that we did, Justin and I wanted to have a different type of episode. We invited what we called the draggies. These are people that were at Camp Fi, but only because a friend or a spouse or a family member told them, hey, you should come to this thing. And so they did. So we had a couple of draggies on, and we also had Steven, the founder of Camp Fi, talk about the genesis of the camp, how the camps have evolved, and what he gets out of every camp. But I don't want to give away the whole show. Take it away, Camp Fi. It's still pretty early into the study right now, so I have more questions than insights. I haven't analyzed all my data, so as any good researcher, I can't give findings until I know for sure what they are. But the inspiration for the study was based on reading an interview with Vicki Robin in a Money Magazine article that related to my research. So, But I know you can't like give away because you don't have, you know, you haven't crunched all the data, but I'm assuming you're going to talk to somebody. You're going to talk to family. You're going to talk to some friends like, hey, guys, I've been at this camp for adults that are like nerding out over finance. What are those conversations going to look like? I mean, give us your honest opinions. Yeah. So I think that what drew me to this community in general is that I'm interested in how people talk about the meaning of work. And what makes the FI community special in that regard is that they're actually pioneering a different way of thinking about the role of work in our lives. And so that to me is still one of the things that I think is special about the community. 
And then just in terms of the culture of the community, it's been wonderful from a research perspective to have a community that's so generous of spirit and so giving and so welcoming. As a researcher, you never quite know how people are going to react to you and if they would be open to being observed and talking to you. And yeah, so my first impression of the community is just very warm, very welcoming. So are there any certain trends that you didn't expect or patterns in people that you've met or just like speeches or mannerisms or anything about the five community that going in, you're like, this is a lot different than what I thought? Yes, there have been a few surprises. One of them, and I've talked with a few of the people here about some of them, but one of the surprises was, I think a lot of times the movement is kind of portrayed as a millennial movement, but actually I've interviewed about 44 people at this point. And they really span all different ages. And so I don't, I would be curious to know from a large scale survey that could tell us exactly what the age demographic is of the fire movement. But in my experience, it's, it's much more varied than what I initially thought going into it. And then probably the other big surprise was most of the people I talked to love their jobs. And so it's been fun to kind of tease apart what that means and kind of go through those layers with them. So I think a lot of the the research and stuff is fascinating, but on a personal level, has this, you know, interactions, talking to these people, has it made you think about making any changes in your own life? Like, have you gotten more interested in maybe being a part of the movement yourself? So I'm a student right now. So if I'm on the fire path, I'm doing a pretty pitiful job of saving right now. So I have a 0% savings rate, (laughs) full disclosure. But I've always been frugal. I know I talked to some of you that my dad, when I was growing up, kind of instilled in us the value of frugality. And he he had to self-teach investing. He came from a really big family, grew up in a lot of poverty. And so a lot of the concepts of the FIRE movement are kind of ring a distant bell from things that he would tell me when I was younger. And I've always believed in saving more than what people say that you should save. So those practices, I think, are always going to be with me. Whether or not I'm going to be out there churning credit cards and travel hacking, I don't know for sure, but yeah. So I'm really excited to kind of see once you do crunch the data to see what your findings are, to see the trends, to see the patterns in people. I think that's really exciting. I think we've asked a decent amount of questions. We should turn it over to the lovely audience here. We have 40-something-odd people, I'd say, in here. If you guys have a couple of questions, we'd love to field some. Hopefully, Laura will oblige and answer sure, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. It's fun to be on the other side of it. I'm usually doing the interviewing. (laughs) The next question came from a member of the audience who asked, well, we have access to all the reports, all the data, all the information that you've been collecting during this process. That's a good question. So the people who I've been interviewing, I've offered them as an incentive. It's just kind of a, it's a token of appreciation, really, because nothing can really make up for the time that they they spend offering their insight. But for those that I interview... They're welcome to have a copy of the summary of the results. I probably will not give out the full dissertation because it's 200 pages, and I, I don't even know if my committee will read the whole thing, to be honest. Um, the way the PhD dissertations go is, is they're usually not quite as practically relevant as what most people are looking for, but an executive summary is something that I'll share with anyone who I interview. Well, if you ended up feeling comfortable with it, I would be I wouldn't be shocked if there's not some people out here who would read the full 200 pages. (laughs) This is this is a community who loves data, who loves reading about this stuff and, you know, anything they can do to get their hands on it. So I just say maybe keep an open mind about that part. (laughs) Yeah. And I should say my committee will read it. They're very dedicated. I shouldn't have thrown them under the bus like that. But um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. well, I'll think about what the right forum might be to share those insights. 
The next question comes from a member of the audience who asked, is there any recurring themes, personality traits, adjectives you'd use to describe the financial independence movement? A few things. One is ambition and a love for efficiency. <laughs> Several people have told me they, they literally can't stand it when something's inefficient. But I also think there's an element to it of a desire to live consciously that kind of permeates most of the people I've talked to, just a desire to live differently and, and be a little more conscious with the decisions that they're making. Awesome. Well, thank you for, you know, coming and giving us a little bit of your time and, you know, some of those takeaways that you've had from the short time that you've been working on this or in the interviews that you've done. I know you got a ton more in front of you. Can't wait to see as much of that 200 page dissertation that you allow us to read. And we really look forward to you having success and, you know, continuing to find people who are open with you. I hope that turns out to be a great dissertation. So if anyone's listening who would like to be a part of the study, you can email me at firestudy at umich.edu. So umich as in University of Michigan. So U-M-I-C-H. So Mike, for those, if they're just listening and maybe they haven't got a chance to talk to you, how did you end up here this week? Like, you know, is this something that you really could have ever seen yourself being at and just what brought you here? That's a good question. Not really as to see myself here. I met somebody and they said, hey, I'm going to this conference. Do you basically need to come along? And I said, OK, that's, that sounds good. <laughs> she told me a little bit about it and it sounded kind of cool. And it was like, OK, maybe I can learn something and use it to moving forward. And she said, oh, it'll change your life. And I said, OK, let's do, let's do it. So I'm open for change. Let's go. And has it changed your life or do you have any new inklings or projects or things that you want to take action on starting Monday, starting tomorrow? Oh, actually, yes. I've been, you know, I'm ready to go yesterday. So um, <laughs> I was writing down all this stuff today. I was talking to people and, you know, meeting new people and getting ideas about all kinds of different stuff. Not only how to do side hustles, but also to work on my personal finances that I already have, you know, some tricks and stuff to pay down some stuff and that I previously had in I would say my other life, but so, you know, stuff like that, you know, you know, just meet new people and thinking about deals going forward. I would think of it more of like a new direction, you know, and trying to reduce the time I'm working right now. If you're having a conversation with somebody who found themselves in a similar position to you where they could not see themselves at a conference like this, or they couldn't see themselves being interested in this movement or this idea or they think that this would just be boring or be unattainable or whatever it might be, if you're talking to somebody like that, what would you say to them to maybe get them to where you are now? That's a great question, because I was actually thinking about that just a few minutes ago, you know, thinking about people that I want to go back and tell that I know about this, especially family members. I was thinking about my daughter that's just coming out of, you know, she's just finishing up college and she's taking a gap year right now from college, but then she, you know, hopefully she'll go back. Maybe she won't. I mean, but... Right now, that doesn't seem that important because there's other opportunities that she could do because she's so smart and personable and all that stuff. So talking to people, that's I've gotten ideas about her. So I would definitely go back and tell others, you know, just tell them about the movement and just give them some basics and see if they have any questions and try to answer the questions and tell them to come on out just to see what it's all about. Absolutely. So if there was one moment in time or one point this weekend where you're like, this is an, it was an aha moment or just like you discovered that one thing. I know Steve and I talked about he wanted that one thing. Do you have a moment you can point to or a conversation or a talk or just anything that happened this weekend that was like just so groundbreaking for you? 
There's been a few of those, but one that I would point out would be, I've always wanted to get my real estate license. And then people are in real estate here and they said, hey, yeah, you know, this is how easy it is. And I never did think about how easy it was. Then that translated into the next day, I was talking to somebody that wanted property management for their rentals that they have now. And hearing all the horror stories about bad property management companies or whatever that come along and that gave me another insight to saying, ah, maybe I can parlay that mm -hmm. once I get my real estate license to go back in to be a good property management <laughs> person. So we'll see how that goes in the next year or so. So, The next question comes from an audience member who asks, did you know anything about the FI movement before you came to Camp FI? No, I did not know anything about the FI movement before I was invited to the camp. But once I got invited, I listened to some podcasts and did a little bit of research, but not very much. And But coming here is like totally opened my mind to everything. And I'm going to go back and do a lot more research and a lot more reading from here on out for sure. Because there's a lot of terminology that I don't know about, you know, that I don't recognize. Them, but I want to learn, of course, learn a lot more about it. The next question comes from an audience member who asks, when you first got introduced to the financial independence movement and this Camp Fi thing, were you skeptical at all that this was going to be some kind of MLM or get-rich-quick scheme? Not really a scam. I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't. I really didn't have no preconceived notions about what I was coming into other than it had to do something with finance and working towards, you know, not working. Basically, but um, <laughs> that's, that's um, a great like, yeah. blog title right there, working towards that one. Yeah, but you know, as a, I didn't think of it as like a call or anything, but the generosity factor is something I didn't think about until I got here and talking to other people. And, you know, I came from a background where when I was young, I didn't have, I grew up with hardly anything. I grew up in a single family. You know, my mom raised me, you know, sort of like his story was, didn't have very much, but I was always taught being kind of frugal, but then I was married and my wife wasn't like that. So there was always a big tension between that. And then after, you know, we were together 25 years and we got divorced. So I'm trying to go back to that. And this is a great opportunity to learn, you know, get back into those habits that was established a long time ago. Well, Mike, thank you for coming on and being so honest with us and open. And I think it's so cool to see somebody who really had no idea what to expect. And it's also refreshing to hear somebody who hears about it and is like, ah, whatever, we'll give it a shot. Because I think a lot of people would hear that and get a little intimidated or scared or think it's weird and just never come. So I think this is a lot about you that you're willing to kind of step out there and give it a shot and appreciate you coming on and letting us ask you a few questions. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your time. All right, Rupal, it is a pleasure to have you here. I know you're a physician, and in your intro, you mentioned how a reason why I wanted to come to this camp was because physicians tend to make a lot of money, but a lot of them spend all that money or they don't save, and you want to be able to educate your fellow physicians, if I remember correctly. Correct. Yeah. Do you feel like you're better equipped this weekend, and could you talk about some of the things that you've learned from coming to the Camp Fi? So I think one of the really useful things to think about when we're talking about all these things that really was emphasized a lot was why are we even doing this? Like, why do we care? Physician burnout is huge. Medicine is in trouble, you guys. So that's really why I'm here is because, you know, my friend Eva from med school said, you should come to this thing. It's in Florida. It'll be warm. And I live in Maine. So I said, sure. <laughs> so I really do think that now I know, like you forced us to ask the hard questions. What are your values? Are you living a life that's in line with those values? And if not, what can you do to change that? How can you do that now without waiting for some time, 10, 15, 
25 years down the road when you're retired? How can you live intentionally, consciously? People have mentioned this, but that's really what is important to me to be able to express to my colleagues so that they can keep doing the jobs they love with and providing services like necessary services to the community without having to say, I can't do this anymore. I have to leave medicine or I have to cut back my hours or any of those things. And I think it's important to ask, you know, each person who kind of came into this a little blind, what did you think when you were first hearing about it, you're getting invited? And then what do you feel like now after you've been here a couple of days and gotten the exposure that you have? I came expecting to meet a lot of cool people <laughs> and my expectations were exceeded. What surprised me, it's always a little bit nerve wracking to meet a bunch of new people to go introduce yourselves. Usually that's the case. But here I had no problem just going up and talking to a random stranger and saying, you know, what? tell me about all your deepest secrets in your life. <laughs> so that was really nice. It's just it wasn't unusual or abnormal to be talking about these really personal things with strangers. So on a more tangible level, I know we've been talking a lot about why and purpose and reason. Are there any tangible things that you're going to go do this coming week or in the next month or in the next couple of weeks? So while I was here. Oh, I opened up my laptop and Josh helped me reallocate my 403B and my 457B into things that had lower expense ratios and that would make more money. So yes, I find that pretty tangible. (laughs) Yeah. Next, an audience member asks, if there's one thing you could say to every single physician in the United States right now, what would it be? I don't know if there's one specific thing that I would say to them other than hey, maybe you should shake your life up a bit and think about why you're doing what you're doing. And can you do it any differently to make yourself and your family and your community and your patients happier? The next question comes from an audience member who asks, we see a ton of burnout in the physician community. Do you think discovering financial independence gives these physicians a longer timeline or at least prevents them from burning out? I really hope so. I do a lot of what people think of as self-care. Like I, I am a yoga teacher. I do the yoga, I do the meditation, I get massages every month. But if that was enough, then I wouldn't have gotten burned out, you know, six months after starting my first big girl job. So I think that allowing people to dig a little deeper, like not just do the expected thing, because that's what they've been taught is what you're supposed to do. Like we never think outside that box of neurologists work until they die. No one is really stepping back and retiring from this profession. But now, now that medicine has changed so much, they are leaving. And, you know, I thought more about why, why do I like doing what I do? Part of it is my community, my colleagues. I enjoy going to work and interacting with them. It's intellectually stimulating. But there's just so much more BS that is involved in medicine now that I think for me, this is allowing me to go back to the roots of why I went into this in the first place. The next question comes from an audience member who asks, if you have a friend who's a physician and they're feeling in that stuck phase of their career, what would you say to them? Is to take a step back and say, what is it that is making me miserable? What is it about this that I hate? And then how can I change that? So what I've found is that people lose that sense of control. They don't think that they can do anything about the problem that there is. But you have more control than you think you do. And you really can make 
little changes that will vastly improve the quality of your life. The next question comes from an audience member who asks, did student loan debt heavily affect your personal finance journey? So I'm pretty fortunate. I grew up in Canada, so I (laughs) I did not have a lot of student debt. We went to medical school in Krakow and Poland, so it was significantly less expensive than if we'd gone to school in Canada or in the States. That's one thing where I felt like I did okay. There are a lot of steps along the way. So once I did start making doctor money, attending cash, as they call it, I lived, you know, I experienced a little lifestyle inflation, shall we say. I was living in a fancy apartment and I was like, it's not that I'm a fancy person, but it was like the first thing I found was available and I could afford it. So I said, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) And I lived there for three years paying rent. So when I look back on those things, so that when, when Eva started telling me about this, I started reading more. I read Your Money or Your Life. And then I was like, oh, my God, I have to move. So, <laughs> so I, I moved out of the apartment. I found a new apartment that was significantly less expensive. I saved money. I got a down payment together within a few months. I mean, that's all it takes a few months on our salaries to get a down payment together. Bought a house and moved in. So I moved twice with the generosity of my friends <laughs> helped me with the, the U-Haul. And so that was a big step for me. And that and giving up my extremely expensive gym membership. <laughs> so at the beginning of camp, Stephen, you said the one thing you wanted from this weekend was one thing. But what is that one thing? Do you have an, a conversation? Do you have a moment? Do you have something new you learned you took away? The one thing. I personally started to get a little bit kind of step back from like the personal connections because it's been so many. And I feel like I started this to just have a few personal connections and I got those. But then camp is such a good experience and I wanted to keep doing it. So for me personally, I tended to like naturally sort of become less deliberate about like connecting with everyone at the camps as much as I could. I know there's a few in here that I have not really spoken with, but there's a lot more than I thought I was going to. And I got a lot more out of that at this camp than some of the previous camps. Not that the previous camps, they're all great and everybody's great. But this this particular camp, I sort of made more of an effort to personally connect with more people and try to learn more about them than I probably have over the last few camps. And I've been rewarded personally because of that. We just got through interviewing, you know, a string of people who didn't know anything about what they're getting into. They quote-unquote, were dragged, maybe by someone. It's a very new thing to them. When you're talking to somebody like that, as they're getting ready to sign up for it, maybe they do, they're just joining the little Facebook group page or whatever that first interaction may be, what does that look like? What are you or what would you say to somebody when they're stepping into this a little blind? I would say don't hesitate. We don't grow unless we're uncomfortable. We don't grow unless we, like Christine mentioned earlier, there's like a wall sometimes that we we go up against and then that's our comfort zone and we kind of were scared about going outside of that. So I would say if you're approached or you've heard about Camp Fi or any other similar meetup, let's choose five meetups or FinCon or anything and you're like, oh, that, that might not be for me. It's okay. It might not be, but do it anyway and you might get something very beneficial out of it. So obviously you've made hundreds of connections and you're talking about how you're trying to get back like the network, the one-on-one. You want to have mm-hmm. 58 conversations with 58 different people. Was there a point, could you point back, it could be any camp, could be the first Camp Mustache 2017, where like it was just an electric connection that's led to like so many awesome things down the road? Well, I'll go back to the very first one of these that I attended, which was the Camp Mustache up in Seattle in 2016. I said, this is a very good experience. I'm 
sure that other people in the Southeast where I live would love to have this experience and they may not get it because they don't want to fly up to Seattle from, you know, Georgia. So the three co-organizers could have easily said no whenever I said, hey, you know, whenever I asked them permission, hey, can we try to do one of these camps down in the Southeast? But because they were generous enough to say yes, that first one happened and then the next one happened. And then now, you know, this year, I think we're going to have at least nine camp fives, you know, throughout the country. So, and that's average 50 people per camp. That's a lot of connections that can be made. And as we've learned throughout this weekend, a lot can come from just one of those connections. I mean, so first off, when you talk about like how many connections Stephen's made, any person who ever tries to add me on Facebook who has something to do with this space, we always have at least one mutual friend and it's Stephen. Like, I mean, every time. <laughs> but talking about that community, I mean, that's like, it's what you've done. You've built like this awesome source of community. But for a lot of people, they only get this one weekend out of the year and then maybe they go to something like FinCon or maybe they're going to go to something like the Financial Freedom Summit. Okay, so maybe now you're talking about two weekends out of the year and they're just craving this community year round. And it's tough because the people around them may not be interested in it. What do you say to people as advice to help them start building their own little community that's a little more sustainable that they can rely on year round? Well, luckily, there are a lot of communities that they don't have to build their own community. There's one out there. But I would say if, if you want to give somebody a piece of advice where they want to build their own immediate community is don't try to convert anybody. Don't try to preach to them. Just tap into the energy of the existing community, make changes that benefit your own life. And then over time, that living by example is really just the best way to bring other people in who may not otherwise in your immediate, like family, friends, coworkers, yeah, type of thing. Absolutely. So next, an audience member asks, when you started that very first Camp Fi, what were your expectations going into the event? Well, I tend to not have a lot of expectations about anything. I just think that it's it's good, so do it, and then whatever happens, happens. So I don't have a, a background of event planning or organizing or anything like that. I'm an accountant by trade. So this is definitely out of my comfort zone. The first camp had 38 people. Everyone showed up, which was great. I had no, you know, who knows? I think we all bonded pretty well, and a lot of good friendships were made. I didn't really expect, like, how strong that would be. That was a surprise. And leading up to it, I really didn't know how it was going to turn out, you know? So it could have been my last event that I ever did, you know, the first and last. So what I did is I just took a couple of subjects that I wanted to learn about, reached out to people that I had heard about in the community, asked them, and this is another example of the generosity of the community. I'm just asking them, say, hey, I want to learn about this topic and I'm doing this event. Would you like to come talk? They all said yes. J.D. Roth was the first one. He said yes. I was like, okay, great. That's awesome. <laughs> Brad Barrett and a few others. They came down and they were generous of their knowledge and their time and all that. And they, and they made it such a good event. And in this room, there's probably six or seven people who, who have went to that one. So I didn't know how it would turn out, honestly. I was kind of winging it, but it was a good time and it turned out well. And again, like I said, uh, one was good. Then why limit that experience and just keep doing it as much as possible? Well, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. I know this is a little bit out of your comfort zone, but... The story of this event and of these events are just too important to not tell and to not capture and so that other people can hear about it because I know it's changed a lot of people's lives. I'm sure it's changed your life. And I've definitely made connections here that are extremely close to me. I mean, people like James who, you know, we're going to fly around the world to see him. 
I mean, this show wouldn't be happening right now, you know, at all. The Fi Show wouldn't exist if it wouldn't have been for Camp Fi, because that's how me and Cody met. But I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for building such an awesome community, such a good steward of it. And I know that everything you're doing is coming from a good place. It's not coming from a, you know, you didn't see a business opportunity that you were just trying to take and figure out how you could capitalize on. This was coming from a very genuine place. And if you don't know, Stephen, like, get to know him and you'll see how obvious that is. So I just want to appreciate you coming on and for everything you've done. Thanks for having me. Justin, got to say, I love these off-format, I'll call them, episodes. They're a little bit different than the episodes we're typically used to airing where we just have a guest. But it was super interesting and awesome to hear these people who they may have known a little bit about the financial independence movement. They may have listened to a couple of podcasts, read a couple of blog posts. But it seems like this Can't Fi Weekend just completely transformed their lives. What do you think about the episode? Well, I mean, I love the episode and I love the weekend. I think it's also important to kind of explain to people who don't know what Camp Fi is a little bit, like, you know, paint that scene for them. So as we mentioned, there's 58 people going down there, but you can imagine it's uh, always in a little bit more of a remote setting. So, I mean, you're definitely not, you know, like car camping or backpacking. I mean, these are these are nice, you know, decent rooms you're in. The meals are provided three times a day, which is another awesome perk. Like you're getting to sit around, have meals with these people, get to meet them. And that's how we kind of started discovering who these people were that, you know, we're calling the draggies, but it is a, a much more like disconnected type of conference than some of the other conferences. It's in a place where you're going to be surrounded by a little more nature. You're going to have some cool outdoor activities. You know, typically you're going to have some like kayaking or boats. And so you're going to really make deep connections with these people. It's not just like coming in and out of a session. And then, you know, some people are like going downtown after the day's over. Everybody's staying really tight knit and you can really get to know these people. And I think a common theme I heard, and this is something I really experienced my first Camp Fi, because when I went to my first one, I didn't really know anybody. I was pretty young. I was the youngest one there. But people just open up to you. And a lot of other conferences, it takes a little bit. You know, you're not part of the quote unquote click. And sometimes it feels like you're just like barging in on a conversation and you don't know if people want to be talking to you. But at Camp Fi, you can just go sit down with someone and have an hour long conversation. Or someone might come up to you while you're doing some fun activity outside and have an amazing conversation and learn something new or learn a new story that you would have never heard before if you didn't just step outside of that introvert comfort zone. And I think that's something that's really special about Camp Fi because I see these people who call themselves like hardcore introverts. They're like, I would never talk to anyone in a public setting. And you see these people who have never met before having two hour long conversations in the corner of the room. It's just such a conducive environment for leveling up, learning, talking about personal finances, talking about values, goals, dreams, and all that amazing stuff. Yeah. And to me, the other cool thing was every single person when asked, you know, what they thought about it and what they would do if they're talking to somebody else, they would all highly recommend someone else coming. You know, they came into it not knowing what to expect. And then just after two days of being there, and doing something like that and being in this space, they already see the immense value and they're already trying to spread that message. And I don't think you could find like a better endorsement than that kind of scenario. Someone comes into something not even knowing what they're going to expect. And then after 48 hours, they're just fully into it and they're ready to spread this across all their friends and they see the power that it brings. And talking about expectations a little bit, I know one of the last things you were talking about, Justin, in the interview with Stephen, the founder of Camp Fi, was Stephen went into this with zero expectations. If he's like, hey, if 10 people sign up and show up, that's cool. I'm totally cool with that. If 60 people come, that's cool too. He had absolutely no expectations coming in. And this is a guy who I've known for almost two years now, super genuine guy. Like Justin, I mentioned, 
He's not in it for the money. He's not in it for a business venture. He just wants to make these genuine relationships. And now he's had these one-on-one conversations with 500 plus people that have attended these camps. And he's so generous that now people like Justin and myself and anyone else who attends these camps, they have the opportunity to do the same. Yeah. And going along with that, you know, he said that he just wants to meet wherever the demand is. So when we ask, like, how big do you think this thing is going to get? How long can you do this? It's always, I just don't want to be the one in the way of meeting the demand. And the other thing is, you know, while we're talking about this campfire, it's in Florida, but they have these all over the country. And I think there's at nine locations now. And obviously we'll put that link in the show notes where you can look at tickets. But most likely there is one that's going to be in a region near you where you could participate in one of these events yourself. And now it's time for the call to action. And so this week's call to action is to find your community. We talked about community so much in this episode. Obviously, it's an integral part of Camp Fi and of financial independence in general. But whether it's an online community, whether it's finding other people, even if it's a couple people to go meet up at a local coffee shop, or you can host a meetup at your house if you feel comfortable doing that. I know I've gone to a few meetups in Massachusetts. There are little local groups all over the place. So find your tribe, find your people. Your motivation will skyrocket once you realize that, hey, there are other people on the same exact path with these same exact goals, these same exact values, maybe five miles down the road from me. I think it's just such a powerful tool. So go out, find that community. Definitely a good call to action. It's important to have that community to kind of help you motivate it along the way. And if you're interested in attending a campfire yourself and want to learn more about some of those locations and how to get tickets, you can do that at thefyshow.com slash campfire 2020. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.